right. So we came back from the second half and, or from the halftime to the second half. And, uh, kind of interesting. The place where we're at has a bar. So there's people drinking. Um, and you know, the atmosphere after drinking can always be a little bit different possibly. And it was a little, but it was still really fun. I had set it up to the begin at the beginning so people knew that we would be a clean comedy show um so suggestions stayed that way and it was fine well with the exception of tampon which someone tried to get me to take but other than that it it was pretty clean (laughs) yeah Um, and tampons not it's not dirty it's just gross um (laughs) but we started that half with a game called Tinder Swipe, where all the character or all the actors play characters, um, and you actually get an audience volunteer who can swipe left or right on a character. If that character gets invited by the swipe right to come take a seat and go on a mini date, then they get a point. And so it was fun. Um, we had a really great audience volunteer. And her choices for when to swipe right versus swipe left were very fun and funny and yeah. and distinctive. Yeah, I it, mean, it tells tells you a lot about her. So she's interested in uh, like the trucker, somebody who is an outdoorsy person. Well, and it wasn't even that. It was like she did not accept the people who seemed traditional. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, she was wanting to be funny and wanting to play the game, but it actually that's a game within a game, right? And so then it's like, well, who is she going to take and who is she not? That's fun for the audience and for the improvisers because they don't know. Um, so we had a good time with that one. So here's what's curious about this one. Well, what's, yeah. So there's eight of us, eight players. And we each step up and do a character and then we rotate to the end of the line and then we go through again if we have that much time with eight players it takes a long time to get through yeah as host i i definitely am going to make sure everybody gets at least one turn yeah and i like to get at least the first two people through again because the timing is right but also i don't want anyone to feel like i i want to kind of give it give it a little bit of room to breathe there where it doesn't feel like Oh, they went over. It was only supposed to be eight people. I also, if I were to get for some reason to like number seven or number six in line, I would probably let it go through all eight people again because I wouldn't want anybody to feel like I cut off the people at the end. The The whole thing for an audience is they need to not feel worried. And some of that comes from the confidence of the improvisers and the confidence of the host. But they also, we naturally as humans are concerned about the people that we're watching. And I've just noticed that they don't, since we set this show up as a competition between two teams, they they do kind of sense a little bit if it feels unfair for one of the teams or, you know... It's not about... It's not about that for the improvisers at all. Yeah. Um, I've also noticed, like, just... I worry for... When I've gone to, like, let's say a kid's recital of some kind or something. Like, I, I notice when there's a kid who has had less of an opportunity than someone else. And those are the kinds of things that 
people in the audience can notice. So you kind of have to watch and, and see where you're playing that game. So I try to end it somewhere around number three or four, but if my number two is going to be a strong end, I'll end it there. Again, I'm looking for the next big laugh. So and I, I did get that. Yeah, and I was number two. So let me explain what my thought process was. Um, Karen jumped in front of me to go first, which is great. Uh, and then I went second. And, and and we rotate back and forth between the two teams. Yeah, we alternate between colors. so Or between the teammates. Between teams. So, I, I know that I'm going to have at least one shot. And I'm hoping that I'm going to have two. I'd love to have three. Because my first one is usually going to be pretty normal. It's going to be... Um, it, it, it might be a little bit of a bigger choice. Like tonight I was thinking I would go as one of the orcs from Lord of the Rings. But instead of going as the orc, I just made my character a big Lord of the Rings fan. Kind of a nerd guy, you know. Um, and she did not... She swiped left. So it just dismissed me, which was fine. I, I wasn't really going for that. And I'm sure that there are improvisers who go into this game, even in our group, who have pre-planned characters in mind. That is something that happens. I have a few characters on character games that I like to bring back that I just know have have been amazing. The audience has loved it. Yeah. Um, but more often than not, I am actually, for me, and I know Jared's noticing this too, although it may not deviate him quite the same way it'll deviate me from my plans. <laughs> um, I'm looking to see what everybody else is pulling out. And if I'm noticing that the other improvisers have, you know, the characters they've created have certain energies or certain things, I'm going to try and do something that's different to create that dynamic change within the group. Yeah. Jared will come up with an idea or a plan as he's playing the game. It's not like he pre-plans it, but once he kind of starts on that path, he'll usually hold pretty true unless he sees a strong reason not to. Right. And so for me... I, but I'm a fixer. I wish, I'm a fixer improviser, and that's not really good. I wish that... I, for this game, it's better for me if there's six improvisers, because then I have a chance to go three times. Um, again, my first choice is usually pretty safe. I'm not... I don't really care either way whether I sit down or not. Um, my second choice is going to be bigger, and then if I get a third choice, it's going to be, like, massively huge. I knew tonight with eight improvisers, we were only going to get... I was only going to get two. So my second choice was to come in, at, I mean, for the most part, everybody does people. In fact, we had two people named Regina tonight. You know I that? know, yeah. Two people named I Regina. Did. Two characters. <laughs> I don't know if they paid attention and noticed <laughs> yeah. that two of the characters were named Regina. They but were different, but. My second choice was a bald eagle, an American bald eagle. <laughs> and she swiped right. And so I flew onto the chair and I sat you didn't sit. You perched. I perched on the chair, <laughs> uh, and I said, "I uh, I hail from Alaska." And she said, "Oh, what part?" <laughs> and I said, "Juno, the southern part." <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, uh, Nicole ended it at that point because it was a perfect time. A huge laugh from the audience, um, and. The sad part is, I actually, what I should have done was give her a microphone. I made a mistake on that because as an audience person, she's not as comfortable speaking loud enough 
for the whole audience to hear. Right. And I don't think everybody heard her. And so it made the setup for Jared a little less. And so I'm not sure everybody even quite heard him. And the, the crazy thing well, is... they heard me. I just don't know if they understood what I was talking about. Right. The, the crazy thing is, is that in this game, it easily could have been holding microphones. But it didn't even occur to me to do that because we don't always have microphones available. Yeah. Um, but if they're there, this is a great game for a microphone. So, whoops. Yeah. But it was a great it was a great joke. It's a fun quick character mm-hmm. game. Um I and when we play it with kids, um, we'll just do like friendship swipe or we we create an app that's not about dating. And in this one when we ask the audience, we always ask to have somebody over eighteen because it can be awkward for the improvisers to be hitting quote unquote on the audience trying now, to get a date with yeah right a, and this a lady or something this yeah. lady was married and her husband sitting in the audience so it could still be awkward but we kind of sure. we kind of tongue in cheek play with that whatever but it it goes from weird to a little squicky I think when it's a kid oh yeah so we did not do that better play it safe right so we bring up the the eighteen year old but we have played it with our youth groups and again same thing we just. We, we change it a little bit, you know, uh, for whatever it is that we're looking for. So. Right. So then we went into, uh, again, team games. So we each each team played one game. Um, and their game was genre replay. So they did a scene, and then we had three genres where they replay that same scene. Uh, and the scene was okay. It was about a woman who had been married. This was her seventh time, her seventh husband. The suggestion was seven, which I don't usually get a number, but I just decided to get a number for him this time, and that yeah. was fun. And so this was going to be her seventh husband, and she was pleased with him as a prospect. Well, he already was her seventh husband, Oh, yeah, right? yeah. Because she was going to kill him. Yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. He set it up that the previous six, he could smell them, smell the dead husbands the, yeah, on they're, her they're or whatever. <laughs> so that? it was a fun little scene. It's a minute and a half, and then they replay it three times. The other two people, oh, the other two people on their team were servants who would bring things into her. Uh, yeah. Almost there, Canadian cross style. There was an Igor type of servant, and then there was more of a butler type of servant. Right. And, and yeah. so um, they had three uh, three genres. The three genres they got very, well, they got, I got for them. The Very loudly, I got anime. Um, so I took that one, and I took... Um, uh, horror and or no uh, western and fantasy, fantasy. Yeah. and fantasy can be a little bit hard and actually interestingly enough it's not the one that we get all the time I think the two we get most often and I did hear it out there but fantasy was so much louder I had to take it horror um, is horror and western we tend to get those I think the most often and then we'll get sci-fi comes in pretty close behind it we get anime disney people say rom-com and we, uh, i don't musical. like to take rom-com because a lot of our scenes have an element of already, hopefully comedy and have that rom- usually I mean, some kind of romance yeah so you have to go real tropey when you get rom-com because then you're talking about you know the the two friends and the goofy guy who the simple she misunderstanding doesn't see. Is get way, gets way blown out of proportion. Yeah, and, and I stuff. feel like the ways to make something rom com over the top almost morph the scene so much, but it's not bad. It's still fun. It yeah. just depends on how strong your improvisers are with their scene work and their ability to morph. And not a that that's a more advanced skill that's not always. Yeah, easy to get. In this case, I felt like the scene was started really strong, uh, and then it, they kind of lost 
the, the path a little bit. Well, it was still there, but what was interesting was, like, they set this conflict up right at the beginning of the scene of, he's her seventh husband, he knows that she's killed the previous six, and, yeah, she is planning to kill him. We got that far in about 45 seconds, so now they have 45 more seconds, so then it was just, like, a word game of, you're going to kill me. Yes, I know you know. I, right. I know you know you know. But it You drank the drink that I wanted you to drink because the drink... Right, which can be it. totally fun and funny. That can be a totally fun and funny scene. But I think for them, uh, it was like they're not quite sure where to go to have it end. Yeah. Exactly. It would have been nice to have a twist in there, some sort of... Maybe. Um, yeah. um, but it was... I mean, it's a strong, fun scene to see replayed. And the Igor character that came in at the end was giving the offer of, are we going to use the garden again this time? And then she measured him. Yeah, and that was good. so that's something that you can play with. So in the Western replay, we had a tumbleweed go across the stage from one of the characters. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there was good tropes. There was, yeah, was definitely. Good. That game requires people to really understand the different genres and really find the way to hit those moments. Yep. Um, I think that we did with quite a few of them. Um, their anime was really funny. I, some of those people watch anime. I don't as much. I should probably watch it because I was watcher. really impressed with their replay on yeah, that. Yeah, they did. They did good. Um, Athena yeah. really had anime dialed in, and Jeff had some good stuff in and there. And Amanda. And Amanda. The only crappy one was Karen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Awesome. Karen did great too. No, anime was really uh, good, which is yeah. funny because I think sometimes that can that, be a weak one. That can be one. really a hard one, yeah. Uh, especially to do the full scene, but they did, but, and yeah, and the four of them knew enough about together. it to actually make yeah, it, yeah. make it work. I was impressed with that one. Fantasy is a little hard. You have to. I don't know that we've worked on that as a genre the much. So the one that we've covered a ton. They put some things in that were fine. It was almost like labyrinth type is what I yeah, felt. Yeah, which, which was, was fine, yeah. yeah. So and then they went into the the western to end it, which is fun cuz you can always end it with a duel yeah. or whatever and This that. town ain't big enough for the both of us. Right. And Athena did a great job I think in switching how her character sounded in each one, which yeah. was fun. Yeah. So, yeah, worked so out then, good. So that was blue team, green team came in and we played blind line. Blind Line is known as a lot of different names. Whose line is it anyway? All that kind of stuff. We left, our entire team left the room. Nicole got lines from the audience, wrote them down on paper, fold them and spread them on the stage. And then we use them randomly in the scene as we pick them up. So the interesting thing about this is host. Usually I get movie lines and then I shift into song lyrics. I will also get them uh, maybe pieces of advice that someone has given them or, you know, uh, those are usually the most common three things that I get. But what was really crazy about this, I also realized it's often a game that we play towards the beginning of a show because it's an audience favorite. It's very easy for the audience to see what's going on, feel comfortable with it. If you have people who know scene work, they can usually do that game pretty well. And so it goes over well. It's a great game for early on in a show. Well, plus it's heavy on suggestions. Right. It's heavy on suggestions, but it's great early on in a show because it fails so rarely. Right. It's such a great one. And it's not, it's heavy on suggestions. So there's a lot of audience participation, but there's not a lot of pressure with it. Exactly. 
and it's, it's a good audience participation. It's great to bring them in. And there's no pressure because exactly. they don't have to come up with, they don't have to think of something clever. All they have to do is remember something they once saw. Yep. And everybody has our favorite lines that we quote. So they already have those in their heads. Um, so we get a lot of those. Well, this was towards the end of the second half. This audience is warmed up. Giving suggestions is easy. This I was, asked for... This was for, our second to last game. Right. I asked for movie suggestions and 50% of the audience is shouting them out. Yeah. I did not get anything else. I didn't get song lyrics. I didn't get advice. I didn't get anything because we had so many movie line suggestions that I... That's all I needed. And one of the things that I do with that is I don't... I know some people will actually take... 50 suggestions or have people pre-write them down and then draw them out of a bucket or do all sorts of things. I prefer to only take as many suggestions as reasonably we might be able to get through. We may or may not get through them all in a scene. Uh, when I start to see that there's two or three suggestions still laying on the ground, I, I am looking for that next big laugh. Yep. I feel like 12 to 16 lines is about perfect. So I, I, the way that I categorize it is I do... I, I usually think, yeah, three to four per person. I have person. Uh, lines from movies, lyrics from song, and advice. Just like just like you, right? And then if I get four out of each of those, that gives me 12 lines. Mm -hmm. um, I might go to five, or I might throw in another category with four more. And so I, I get you were well, from about 10 to 16 That's funny. Lines. I usually get... So I feel like the movie lines... And sometimes the lyrics, it depends on an audience. Some audiences struggle more to think of lyrics from songs I've noticed. Um, but I usually only get maybe three pieces of advice and I lean more on the movie lines just because I think as improvisers, if it's all advice, they set it up differently. True. And also a lot of the advice that we get as suggestions is don't, don't eat, eat yellow, yellow snow. snow. <laughs> <laughs> Or it's it's just a lot of don't, right? Whether it's don't eat yellow snow or whatever, it's it's a lot of don't do this. Maybe we should do like a wise saying someone once told you. Yeah, or like a Chinese proverb or something. Or things you might see in a fortune like cookie. Yeah, exactly. That would be a great one to do. Yeah. 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 So anyway, it's it's good. But we got all these movie suggestions, and it was pretty fast and easy. Um, and the scene was okay. I, I started it with Travis. Um it was a good scene. It was, uh, I think one of the things that a lot of people aren't prepared for Jared, uh, a lot of improvisers, newer improvisers, especially, um, but people who haven't played with Jared, Jared will start a scene with really terrific space work. And if you just take a second and see what's happening, you're going to be able to get a feel for what where he's what he's thinking of and it's not necessarily that you have to go along with what he's doing but really be aware of what he's doing he is giving you an offer where i think some people think that because he hasn't said anything yet they have to come up with everything the hard part about that is if they start talking and they're giving suggestions via talking and Jared's giving suggestions via space work the audience is seeing both of those and now we have to figure out how do we take what they just said and what he just did and make it one cohesive scene yeah. without denying each other. And that, that can be a little bit tricky. Um, we were just talking about this in our practice the other day is that in short form, we feel an urgency to fill the space 
Yeah, if you with only, words. If you only have a three to f- maybe five, uh, although the short form, a three-minute scene is about right. Five minutes, you're getting kind of long. But anywhere in there, you can kind of call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that length, a lot of improvisers are afraid at the beginning to take 30 seconds and not say anything, but set up, oh, I'm in the kitchen washing dishes, and I'm frustrated. Or... You know, I'm at my office waiting to go home and I'm checking the clock every couple of seconds to see when five o'clock hits. So that can happen in 30 seconds. It can tell you a lot about that character, about that space, about, you know, what's going on, what's, what are their thoughts. But because I think we feel the pressure to rush through scenes, we don't take that time as newer improvisers. We want to fill it with words and talking and and just creating that scene with our mouths instead of with space work. Well, and it's not even just space space work. I think it's also the emotion and the, there is so much that you can set up without using words that really gives depth to what's happening and to the conflict that's happening. And, and I just, yeah, that being said, when Travis finally turned around and he saw what you that you had something heavy in your hands, you were picking up the textbook, but yeah. he saw it as a typewriter, which was fine. He had just made plans about what was happening, so he didn't really see what Jared was doing, which is fine, because now they're going to use a typewriter to write their textbook. And so that was basically the setup for it. And, um, I, I mean, it worked, it worked really well. They got through their lines. They had nice very nice justifications. One thing that I've noticed some improvisers can do with this game is they have a tendency to not allow. Okay. There's three things. I'm going to say three things on blind line. One is, um, don't always set up like, well, my dad used to say, right. There's many ways to incorporate these lines into the scene. And that might be okay once in a scene. You do not need to do it more than once. The second thing is, uh, if, let's say Jared picks up a line, opens it, and says it, if he doesn't immediately, quote, justify it, some improvisers, uh, for this I'll just say me, uh, maybe I feel a need to justify it for him. And I think that you should give it a breath before you do that. I think before I do that, we don't need to justify it for the other person. Give them a second to do it. And here's the third thing and the reason why that's true. When you're doing blind line, these lines are normal things for you to say. They are your vernacular. They are your choice. It is the cross from a play where the lines are written for you and improv. And when you are in a play, those words, it's your job as the actor to make those words sound natural and real and that they make sense yeah. within what you're saying. I mean, it it's, you could make things not make sense. Have you, there's this really great, uh, acting tool where you can have something called a neutral scene where the lines are so innocuous that they could be played a million ways, a million different emotions, a million different relationships or circumstances that that's honestly true for a lot of the words we say on stage whether it's an improv or in a play it's how you say them and it's what you do with them 
but they need to be yours. And I think that is the biggest trick of blind line is letting these lines become your vernacular. Mm -hmm. They are your words. And so you don't have to be weird about them. It's not an odd thing for you to say. It's a normal thing for you to say. I think just there's a a couple of technical things that I noticed tonight. Um, So one of the other improvisers would pick up a line, read it, but not say it. So he would read it while I was saying a line, for example, or or a regular part of my dialogue or talking to another character. So he would read it, put it away, and then when he felt like it was his turn to talk next or when he wanted to add something... Then he would say the line, but the audience didn't realize that didn't that was... Didn't see him reading they it. They didn't see him reading it, so they were like, wait, was that one of ours? Or It's hard for them to remember. So whenever I am using that tool or that gimmick for that game, I make sure that they see me read it so that they know, oh, he just used my line, or he just used the line that we gave him, you know, and they, they actually have the visual as well as the auditory. Well... And almost some of the gimmick is lost when you do that anyway, because yeah. now you know what the line is, and you can say it how it right. needs you to can be stick said. It in like wherever. fix it in there right. instead yeah. of I'll, I'll, oh, that was a I'll weird thing this, for me to just say. Right, I'll hold this back until it actually right. fits. Um, yeah. Technical question. Sure. You wear readers. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to play this game? Is it getting harder? No, I mean the the lines are written big enough. That Usually it's not they like write them big to, enough. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point, though. We should point that out, that we need to make sure that we do write big enough. legibly. That it's legibly and big enough that people can read. I just realized, like... Yeah, no, for me, it's not that bad. Yeah, that's good. I hope it doesn't get that bad. I mean, maybe in the next 10 or 15 years. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still doing improv. Um, But like I said at the beginning of this episode, this was the game where when Jared's team was out of the room, I talked about that's what she said, and then... Because that was one of the suggestions from the audience. And then, sure enough, the very last line last is line, that. Last, last line on the floor. fit funny. It fit perfectly for the scene. It fit perfectly for the character. And Jared is the one who said it after I had just set that up with the audience. He didn't even know that. And the laugh was going to be big anyway. But because it was Jared and all of that, it was just that much better. Yeah. It was perfect. So, And then yeah. we ended the whole show with the last game, which was Hey Waiter. Yeah, Hey Waiter is a jump out pun game. Mm-hmm. And it it was uh, it was very fast. Yeah. That's one of the things I noticed. The audience volunteer that we got, he was a big personality. Uh, he'd given multiple suggestions throughout the night. And he, he was came on a up gig, and gig, Gigapet. Gigapet and, and anime. So, and here's, here's what was interesting. Sometimes you get people that will wait for a waiter to step forward to say, hey, waiter, there's a blank, blank in, in my, my soup. soup or a fill in the blank in my soup like mm-hmm. he said tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he didn't wait. He would just say it mm-hmm. and expect us to come forward with a joke. So uh, that puts a little bit more pressure on us. But at the same point, I think we all knew that we were within two points of, it, of each other as the teams. So it was... There was kind of a high competition level. And because it was such a fast game... Um, I mean, points almost doubled because of that game. And yeah. we got more suggestions than I usually get. I was looking. I like to end it sometime between the third and fourth suggestion. I think I actually went to a fifth suggestion. Maybe. I can't remember now. What was in the soup? What did he have in the soup? Uh, he started with... I don't remember. <laughs> I'm uh, trying to remember I know some Legos, of my jokes. Legos were in there. Legos. There was a Christmas tree. Yep. Uh, 
You had a department. What was the department? Uh, NASCAR. 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 The NASCAR department. The NASCAR department of Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, okay. Um, yeah, I don't remember them all. We might have been on the fourth one. Um, but I was trying... To, I like to end it, depending on how late the, the show is. If the show's really late, two items is fine. Um, some of it just... Oh, we had lipstick in there. Oh, yeah, lipstick. And there was another one, too. I don't even know our runtime. Oh, yeah. Gun so right we were the on the fifth one. Yeah. yeah. I had to go from Christmas tree. I felt like we got good Christmas tree ones and there were nice solid chuckles, but I didn't feel like we had a really great end one until we got to the NASCAR department. I don't even remember what it was that we ended on, but it worked well. Um, and you call it, finish it. And then another thing that we do with Game Changer, if you're going to do competitive improv of any kind where scores are being kept, when they give this final score... They need to give it anonymously. In other words, the green team has blank and the blue team has blank. If it's not on a scoreboard that they can already see, this is a great place to raise the stakes a little bit and say, we ended 39 to 41 in favor of, you know, I mean, it's like yeah. the ultimate commercial break moment that we don't usually get because we're live. But that's what we're doing is we're kind of raising that suspense well, level. If you watch like a boxing match or the UFC and it goes the distance, you know, and they bring the fighters to the the center of the ring and they're, you know, uh, two judges scored it 48 to 49 and one judge scored it 49 to 49. So by split decision, the winner is, it, it, and up to that point, you don't know. Yeah. But then at the end, they say the winner is so-and-so. They don't say it first. The winner is so-and-so with these split decisions. They let the tension build. And we, I like the announcer to do that same thing so that, again, it's a surprise at the very end. And the last thing that they hear is the winner is the green team, well, which we won tonight. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things where you lead the audience where you want them to go. And uh -huh. that's a huge host skill. Um Jared and I have a whole theory. If if you're going to take improv as a science, that hosting is like being a weather person, right? You're a meteorologist. You're taking the weather. And you can lead the audience. You feel the climate of where you're at. And how you do things can lead them a, a bit where you want them to go. And they know when it's time to cheer. And they know when it's time to do things. And, and you want to do that for them. And, and this is one of those moments where... Because you're building that tension, they know this is the release valve when you give that final which team won, and now they cheer. They feel the release valve. They feel it, and that's a powerful way to end it. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, we had a good show, I think. The audience was super pleased. The It was a new venue, and the venue itself was very pleased with us. Um, so, maybe we'll play there again sometime yeah and i know it's a little bit more expensive than what we've done in the past um and, and but I, we're not on that side of things right now so that doesn't matter uh well it does but not necessarily to us <laughs> right now um i know for me things that i can work on next time uh making my scenes stronger um more uh connected to my scene partners um, stronger, tighter relationships right out of the gate, especially with newer improvisers. If I can give them that relationship as an offer, hey, Dad, uh, Mom wanted me to come talk to you. A simple relationship. Right. Then then they know already where that relationship is, and we can figure out what how do we feel about each other and that kind of stuff. Instead of saying, hey, Brian, 
um, grab that tackle box. Because then all they know is fishing. They don't know, you know, what the relationship is. It could be family. It could be friends. It's not very specific. Um, And it leaves it open for them to wander and kind of um, get a little too creative in some instances. Um, But helping them by giving a stronger offer, I think, makes things a little bit more simple and can keep our scenes tighter. Um, Game Changer, one of the things that I love about it is that it's such an inclusive group and it's so, it's meant that there's not like a specific leader. I mean, there is a specific leader, but we try to be very uh, equal, like with status, I guess. Um, One of the problems that that can come with is that sometimes we've learned things by tried and true experience of being on stage this game will work with this game. Maybe we don't want so many scene. Like Jared was saying, it was a lot of scene-heavy games for this show, and we probably could have broken that up a little bit with another gimmick game. Um, at least one for, for one of the teams, and that that might have been a, a way to help with that. Uh, another thing is, I think, even that there is somebody who says, hey, I'm going to start this scene. That gives the other improvisers permission to just wait a second and take a breath and let the scene breathe at the beginning. Um, we feel a need to fill the silence and we feel a need to, we feel a need to fill the space. And I think it's okay as, um, leaders in the space to, to help people feel comfortable in in knowing what to say next. The thing that helps people know what to say next is one, a relationship and two, a feeling. Yep. If they have a feeling about the relationship or a feeling about what's happening and they know what the relationship is, it's very easy to react rather than, um, trying to figure out something creative and clever to take this a new place. We can have something that's more organic and more honest. Yeah, you don't have to come up with these big, wacky, crazy offers and ideas. Mm-hmm. You just play it real. How do I feel about this person? And who is this person to me? Yep. That's super simple. Um, for me, as host, I um, I just need to... I don't know. I, here's the thing. I'm kind of a meandering host a little bit. So I might say things in a different order than I said last time. Like I said earlier, you know, I'm I'm having a conversation with the audience and, you know, one of my volunteers I brought up on stage and I started talking to her about what she was going to do and improvisers felt like they needed to help me educate her and the audience about what was going to happen. And I'm like, hey, I got this. Don't worry. And I kind of had to stop them because I did have it. It was just different I think that's okay, but I'm going to spend some time thinking about that. And if I need to do something a little bit differently so that everybody feels more comfortable, because obviously the reason why they spoke up was because they were worried. Um, So I I need to figure out how I want to do that. If I want to keep that and just let them know ahead of time, hey, don't worry, I got this. Or if there's a different way to do it. Um, And then the other thing is being aware of when I can pull out the microphone. Because I think if that's a tool that I have, especially for an audience volunteer, I should use it. Yeah. Need to think about that a little bit. Um, Yeah. And then 
I also need to figure out, like in Half-Life, I was trying to help the team know that they were going too slow. Like they were going over time. And I kept saying faster, faster, but I'm also having them do it in less period of time. So they're having to go faster anyway. So I don't know if they understood that. (laughs) Yeah. And that, Um, that, again, not a game that I would have chosen with this group. Again, the games were kind of selected before we got there. Um, but definitely one I think that that needs more practice, just to get a feel for that timing, of what's ninety seconds. What does that feel like in a scene? Okay, now half of that. Yeah. How does that change our cues? How does that change? Well, things? and I wish that I would have. I was actually on the floor, instead of up on the stage for that, and I wish that I would have been up on the stage on the side because I would have been able to cue them in quicker. I knew they needed to go. It took me 10 seconds to get their attention to get them to go. Mm. And then it still took them five or 10 seconds to respond to my prompting and actually go into the scene. Yeah. Which puts so, you way too late in the scene. Right. I'm here. I am 15 seconds later and I was telling them to go right then. And so yeah. I wish I would have been closer as a host that that would have been a place I could have helped. Yeah. Um, but but overall, I my favorite parts of the show were I love it when when the improvisers are having fun and laughing on stage, and there was a ton of laughing on stage, and um, I think it gives again that permission to the audience to laugh and to be playful. And I loved um, there were some really creative moments. I was very impressed with. Um, some of the characterizations in the replay and how they morphed from from genre to genre to yep. genre. I, their characters yeah. were very strong and changing while still maintaining the base storyline. Um, that was super fun. I loved um, the odd nature of Blind Line and finding out that that it was two brothers in their parents' basement who were writing this textbook and that they just wouldn't get out. It was the eighth and last edition. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I just love those moments and and kind of the, the, um, that's not how the scene started, but by the end, that's what we had discovered, that they were in the basement of their parents' house. (laughs) And I just, I love that part. And then, uh, again, I think my favorite thing of the night was six things. It was just really well done, really well guessed, good clues, we were mostly right on time. The audience had a great time. It was fun suggestions. And overall, I think a really positive, well-done show. My So my brain works in wordplay, 100%, um, and, and puns. And that's just how it works. So whenever I can work those in, I mean, we obviously have the pun game at the end of every show almost, right? Where we have that jump out. But whenever I can work in puns into regular scene work... He's like a happy clam. Not even, not necessarily even subtly. Sometimes very unsubtly. <laughs> Whenever I can work that in, I, I, I just I love that. It's fun for me. I mean, that is a blast, especially when it makes super sense. And so, the big choice to come in is the American Eagle, American Bald Eagle, and then for her to ask me what part of Alaska I was. That was from. your favorite moment. And then yeah, for me to say Juneau, the southern part. I mean, I'm pulling in, you know, I know that Juno is in the southern part of Alaska. Um, it's a play on words. It's, I mean, it's just, it's all these wonderful things. I made this huge choice to be an American Bald Eagle. Um, so that was really gratifying for me as, a, as an improviser to have that big choice pay off in a way that I could just nail a joke like that. 
and deliver that gold to the audience. Yeah. So fun show and can't wait for the next one. Yeah, it'll be soon.